Well, it's uh, good morning. It's great to be here this morning and share with you what God's put on our hearts. But uh, first, I want to introduce myself so you know who's talking to you this morning, okay? Um, I grew up on the mission field. My parents are missionaries. I grew up in Tunisia, Israel, Jordan, and Spain. And uh, so I counted up the other day, and I've lived in 34 homes in the last 40 years. So, uh, yes, the world traveler, I can't stay put. But I um, uh, met my wife in Bible school and uh, went off and were youth pastors and pastored a church. We have three kids, and we spent the last 10 years in Azerbaijan. Everybody knows about Azerbaijan, right? No blank faces. No, Azerbaijan is north of Iran. It's part of the old Soviet Union, uh, 8 million people and 5,000 Christians. So we, were, we arrived there uh, about 12 years ago, and uh, we started working with our churches and uh, a couple of pastors that we worked with, and they were brand new Christians. So they'd been saved a couple of years and were pastoring churches out of a Muslim background. So you can imagine kind of the things that we dealt with, the things that we faced, but we did a lot of mentoring with them. Um, everybody say Hoilu this morning. Hoilu. You say, what in the world is Hoilu? Hoilu is a teeny tiny little village up in the mountains of Azerbaijan. Don't try to Google it or look it up. You won't find it. Uh, it's so small. It's so forgotten. But up in that village, there are five brothers. And they started to have dreams. And Jesus was coming to them in their dreams. And he said, he just said one thing, and they all had the same dream. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's all he said to them. And so can you imagine the surprise when they started comparing notes and started having the same dream? So they figured, well, we better, we better go find some Christians. And so like I said, there's only 5,000 out of 8 million in Azerbaijan, and uh, all 5,000 of us are in hiding. So it took them a little while and a little bit of work to find a Christian. But they found one of our pastors, and we were able to go up in this, in this uh, uh, overnight train, and then we take a jeep up in the mountains, reach this village, and we just started by opening the Bible, opening to John, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we just started by explaining to them what that meant. And uh, you might say, well, that's not a nice story, but what's so amazing about that? What's so amazing about that is there hasn't been a village, there hasn't been a church up in that village in at least a thousand years. So a thousand years and all those generations and all those people have never known the gospel. And then God sends a dream to some brothers and he uses me. Now this is the amazing part for me. He used me to take God's word to that village for the first time in a thousand years. That's awesome. And where this relates to you and why I'm telling you this story is we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for people like you sending us, people like you giving, people like, um, uh, like you praying for us, like you saw in that video. That's just a small snippet of, of the things that this church is able to do uh, by your missions giving. And so to me, it's an awesome privilege to be a part of what God's doing. Right now, you may not know this, and people talk about the decline of the church in America, and all that's true. But really, right now, if you take the whole world, 
This is the greatest revival the world has ever seen in terms of numbers of people. Right now, we're living in the greatest time of harvest the world has ever seen. More people are coming to the Lord. More churches are being planted every single day than any time in history. And so this morning, I'm going to show a video, but there's not going to be any, any pictures of starving children, and I'm not going to send you down a guilt trip about all the money that you waste and you should be giving it to me. You know, that, that's not what we're going to talk about But I'm going to say this, if you're not a part of missions, if you're not a part of what God's doing around the world, as a believer, you're just missing out. You're missing out on the greatest thing that God, that God is doing. And I tell this story, and I'm going to tell some more stories uh, uh, this morning. And the, those of you that are a part of missions and are giving and are praying and are on board with this, you're like, yes, that's me. That's, that's my team. We're winning. We're doing something. And there's some people that will sit there and say, well, that, that, that's nice for, for them. But this morning, I want to invite you to be part of the team. I want you to get on, on, on board with this. And uh, when you hear these stories that I tell this morning, you're going to say, yes, that's me. I'm a part of this. So uh, we need missionaries. We need missionaries uh, to go into places because God is wanting people to be saved, God is wanting Muslims to come to him. Obviously, he gave those brothers up there, and that's just one of many stories I could tell of miraculous things that have happened in the Muslim world. But God is giving people dreams and visions, and that's all fine and well, but they need someone to explain to them what those mean. They need someone to give them a Bible and explain to them uh, what it's all about. I'll tell you another kind of funny story to illustrate this, okay? Um... The pastor that we worked with in, in Azerbaijan, his name was Rasim, and Rasim got saved uh, right when the Soviet Union fell apart, and he was so excited about serving God, he got a hold of a Bible, and he read it, and he wanted to obey every word that was in, in the Bible. I mean, he's just on fire for God. He got saved, and just two weeks later, he's leading meetings, you know? He didn't know anything, but he's, he's so excited, and he wanted to do everything the, the Bible said. So there's a scripture that says, Jesus says, when you, when you fast, you're supposed to wash your face and put oil on your hair. And that's, that's like gel, like I have on this morning. Back in the day, they used oil. But uh, in Azerbaijani, the word for uh, butter and the word for oil is the same thing. So he wanted to really serve God and do exactly what the Bible said. So he waited till his mom was out of the kitchen, and he went in the kitchen and got a handful of butter and put butter on his, his hair. For three days, he walked around with butter on his hair uh, as he fasted. And, uh, you know, that's a funny story. I mean, you know, we, don't need, we need missionaries so people don't put butter on their hair, okay? That'd be a great slogan. That's my new motto, you know. But, um, and, and that's funny, but still, at the same time, uh, it can be a lot more serious than that. People can, can get a hold of a scripture or get a hold of a passage or get a hold of a, a supposedly a Christian book and they can get way off track. And so they need discipleship and they need mentoring and they can have all the zeal and excitement, but they need some training, they need some help, they need to be shown how to be a pastor and uh, how to be a leader. So that's why we need missionaries, okay? Um, but uh, we are uh, left Azerbaijan and uh, we're headed to England. So that makes sense, right? Perfect sense. Azerbaijan to England, okay? Uh, no, it makes no sense. But in, uh, in God's timing and in his will, he has sent us to England. Now, when I first heard about this opportunity 
um, to go to England, uh, maybe like you, uh, my first thought was, now, come on, really? I mean, do missionaries, real missionaries don't go to England. Real missionaries go to places like Azerbaijan, right, where nobody's, I could have made up that country, none of you would even know, but um, uh, real missionaries go to places like that, not places like England. But then I began to read and begin to study and begin to find out the statistics, and I found out a couple of things. I found out that in England, there are more Muslims than there are evangelical Christians, and that was shocking to me to find out that about 5% of the country is Muslim and about 3% are evangelical Bible-believing Christians. That was surprising. I found out that the number of Muslims has increased by 75% in the last 10 years in England. Uh, Not in the last 50 years, in the last 10 years. So that was shocking to me. We started to talk with church planters and where we're going to be planting uh, planting a church in southwest England. And I found this city called Bath. And uh, it's about 100,000 people. And there are five evangelical churches in in that city. And uh, no Assembly of God churches, which that's who we're sending as Assembly of God. And so we thought, wow, there's a great opportunity to start a church there. Just on the other side uh, of, uh, of Bristol, there's uh, Cardiff. Cardiff is half a million people and uh, just about a dozen uh, Bible-believing churches for half a million people. And so we began to realize that this was a true mission field. My wife and I went there, and we were walking the streets of Bristol, and we were praying and seeking the Lord and asking him, God, is this where you want us to be? And as we're walking down the street, we heard someone speaking Azerbaijani, of all things, okay? And we turn around, and we start talking to these two guys. It took us about five minutes to explain why Americans in England were speaking Azerbaijani to them. <laughs> they... But once we got all that cleared up, uh, we talked to them about Azerbaijan and different things. And um, it was a real sign to us because it was the first time we'd used our Azerbaijani in, in over a year. We, we wondered, what, Lord, what's this all about? Why, you know, why send us there and then now to England? Uh, but it was a confirmation from the Lord that this is where he wants us to be. So um, we're headed there in about five weeks. So we're getting very, very close to being able to go. So this morning, part of, what I, part of the reason I'm here is I need your help, okay? Can I, can I count on some of you to help us to get to England? Number one, more important than anything else, missionaries don't need money. We need prayer. We can have a full missions account, have everything we need financially, but if we don't have the power of God behind us, we don't have the Holy Spirit moving and people backing us up in prayer, The whole thing will be a complete failure. I absolutely believe that. And so this morning, uh, to help you uh, to remember to pray for us, we've brought these. This is uh, our prayer card. This is a picture of me. Wow, I thought there'd be a little more excitement uh, than that. But I guess, okay, how about this? This is a picture of my family. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, But uh, we're going to go over for four years. And so uh, we need people to pray for us for that whole time. And so this will help you to remember to pray for us in a year from now and two years from now. Like I said, my parents are missionaries. I grew up on the mission field. Every once in a while I go to a church and a little old lady will come up to me and she'll have uh, one of these prayer cards from when I was a kid. And she'll say, I've been praying for you for 20 years. 
And uh, so we have a good cry there in the foyer of the church, you know. Uh, amazing for her. Uh, she didn't know what happened to me, but to see me walk in as a missionary, and then amazing for me uh, to know that someone's been praying for me all these years. So uh, pray for us. Number two, we need uh, missionaries, more missionaries out there in the mission field. Every single person here is a missionary, and uh, when you uh, change your way of thinking about your life, and you realize I'm just not going to this crummy job, or I have to go to, to school, or, or do whatever you do, or run these crazy errands, or whatever it is. And you realize that God is sending you out into the mission field and he has a plan. Let me tell you, every single day, God has a plan for your life. He has divine appointments. He has ways he wants to bless you. He has ways he wants to touch you. And so many times in our busyness, in our, in our whatever, we just, we, just, we just miss it. So tomorrow morning... You wake up and you say, God, what do you have for me? You have something for me to do, to do today. You have something you want for me to do. And, and help me to find out what that is. So everyone's a missionary. Get out there in the mission field. And then uh, number three, you can help us by giving. And I'm not going to go over this over and over again. Some of you love details. Okay, I'm going to give you details right now. As of right now, I need $200 in monthly support. Or if you convert that into four years, $10,000 and I'll be ready to go. I called their missions organization on Thursday, and I said, please, let me go. And they said, you have to have that in. So we can't buy our tickets. We can't proceed with visas. We can't do all that until we get that. So the point of the reason I'm telling you those details is that when the offering comes at the end of the service, every single dollar that you give will be counted, will mean a lot, will have a huge impact on what we have uh, left to go. So please ask the Lord what he would have you to do. Do that, be obedient, and we'll get there just in time with exactly what we need. Amen? Okay, we got a short video to show you this morning. Um, on there you'll see uh, charts where you see all the numbers going downhill. That's the number of pastors, the number of churches, number of ministers. And uh, then you'll see on this video that uh, churches in England are being converted into mosques. Believe me, Muslims love that when they can see that happening. Uh, they're being converted to restaurants, being converted to homes. And so this will give you a little more uh, information about uh, what we do. Go ahead. When the riders came from Bethlehem, all breathless with good news, they were passing up a tone forward through time. Commission from God's lips to our ears, carried by His saints 2,000 years, connects us all to the same lifeline. As I fix my eyes ahead, I can feel the Spirit's pain.
Okay, one more thing I want to do before we get into God's Word. If we could put that slide up. I'm sorry, I put them in the wrong order. But uh, I'm going to ask you to do something right now in church that is totally sinful. All right, I got your attention, didn't I? You've been told never, ever to do this in church. You can take out your smartphone. And uh, we have a Facebook page. And now, before you get nervous, uh, on this Facebook page, this isn't my personal page, no pictures of what I had for dinner, what the dog did, all that kind of stuff. Just two or three times a month, we're going to send a quick little update, a quick little prayer update, and a picture about what we're doing. So this morning, as a little incentive, I've heard that your pastor loves coffee, that he's an addict, okay? And we're going to help him with that addiction. And if we can get 10 likes this morning on our Facebook page, uh, I'm going to give him a Starbucks gift card, okay? Who wants to see your pastor jacked up on caffeine, okay? (laughs) So take your smartphone out, look up in the search box, The Parks Cast. The Parks Cast. That's all you got to do. Like it, and then we'll we'll see your your pastor um, have some coffee. Thank you. And if, if we start to be bothersome, you just unlike us, okay? I do it all the time. All right. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to uh, John chapter 21. And uh, John chapter 21. And I'm going to start reading in verse 4. And so as you're turning there to set up this story, uh, the disciples had uh, envisioned something quite different than what Jesus wanted. They had in their minds that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom. As much as he said it's going to be a spiritual, this is a spiritual thing, they had their, uh, the idea that he was going to kick out the Romans, that he was going to set up a throne, and he was going to sit on the big throne, and there were going to be 12 little thrones, and they were all going to sit on those, and they were very excited about that, as you can imagine. Some of them were so excited that uh, even a couple of them had, their, had sent their mother to Jesus and said, hey, can one of my sons sit on your left and one of my sons sit on your right side? I mean, they were really excited about this. But uh, as we come to this story, that none of that has played out. Jesus has been crucified. They, he's been buried as far as they know. That's the end of the story. That this three-year ministry thing that they did with Jesus is all for nothing, and that's all there is to it. So they're, complete, they're, they're totally discouraged. They're down. They don't know what to do. So they figure, well, I guess we go back and, and do what we did before we met Jesus. So they head up to the Sea of Galilee. Some of them are fishermen, and they're fishing all night as we come to this story, and they've caught nothing. How many have been there? You fish all night, you fish all day, and you catch nothing. There's only one person that's willing to admit over there. (laughs) But uh, this isn't recreation. This isn't for fun. This is for livelihood and how they're going to feed their families. And so uh, you talk about being kicked when you're down. I mean, this is where the disciples are as we come to this story. So uh, let's uh, start reading in verse 4. It says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because the large number of fish. And in another translation, it translates what Jesus said. He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and see what 
happens. And we have that actually on the back of our prayer card. Throw out your net and see what happens. And uh, when I read this, the Lord spoke to me and said, this is my faith challenge to you. Throw out your net and see what happens. At this point, we had left Azerbaijan. It was a very difficult transition. It's a long story, uh, but uh, they don't like missionaries in Azerbaijan. Let's just say that, okay? And uh, we were, didn't know where to go or what to do, and this opportunity for England came about. And the Lord spoke to us, and he said, throw out your net and see what happens. So I'm 40 years old, okay? And to some people, that is extremely old. To my daughter, who's 16, I mean, she just can't even believe every morning I actually get out of bed. I should be, you know, I'm, I'm at the end at 40. But to other people, 40 years old is, you know, I've got plenty of life ahead of me. But right there in the middle, I've, I've uh, seen a lot of things. I, like I said, I've moved around quite a bit. And... Um, when you read God's word, you would think that every Christian jumps out of bed in the morning, excited about life, excited just to, what, what's God going to do? Their life would be full of the miraculous, full of God's promises just being fulfilled every day. That if you ask them, when's the last time you saw a miracle? Tell me the latest testimony of, of God doing the supernatural in your life. They would just be able to rattle off just the whole list of things that, that God had done. But as I've experienced life, I've found out that that's really not the case. That many Christians uh, just kind of roll out of, bed in this mor- out of bed in the morning, not too excited about the day, dreading life. Uh, if you ask them about uh, the latest miracle or what they've seen God do, they wouldn't have a whole lot to say or they'd have to go way, way, way back to think of when the last time God did something like that. So what makes the difference? How do we account for this difference in what we see in God's word and then what many experience on a day-to-day basis? I think a lot of it has to do with this right here. When Jesus said, throw out your net and see what happens, Jesus is talking about living by faith. When he said that, he's talking about trying him. See, those disciples had fished all night long and they'd caught nothing. But when they did it Jesus' way, when they obeyed him and did what he wanted them to do, they had a huge, miraculous catch of fish. Now, I don't know about you. I've never fished the Sea of Galilee, but right side, left side, it doesn't make any difference. So let me ask you, let's just put it this way. When's the last time you tried something for God or did something for God that you were totally scared to death? When's the last time you tried something for God and your, your palms were sweaty? I mean, your stomach was in knots and you were crying out, Oh God, if you don't come through, God, if you don't do a miracle, God, if you don't do the miraculous, then I'm going to look really foolish. Or this is all going to fall apart. Or, this isn't going to happen. That's where God wants us to live. That's what God uh, wants us to do. And when we do that, we take those steps of faith, we're going to see God do miracles. Let me tell you a little story about Azerbaijan, how this played out in our lives. Um, we got to Azerbaijan and met a man in our church who had permission from the government to print a newspaper. Now, in a, in a, uh, in a Muslim uh, dictatorship, that is a miracle in and of itself. But he came to me and he said, I want to do a Christian newspaper. So would you help me, Missionary David Parks? 
And, uh, you know, that was really, uh, that's huge because I could get kicked out of the country. Uh, all kinds of negative things could happen, as you can imagine. But we prayed about it and felt like the Lord said, yes, go ahead and do it. And I began with my whole list of reasons why we couldn't do it. First on my list was, oh God, we have no money. I was a rookie missionary. We have no money to print a newspaper. God said, throw out your net, basically, and see what happens. I said, God, what if we get caught? We'll get kicked out of the country. He said, throw out your net and see what happens. So we started this right here. This is our Christian newspaper. We did it for five years, printed uh, 250,000 copies, and on the outside, we were really sneaky. We uh, just put regular news, but on the inside, we printed God's Word. This is actually part of Psalms. We printed almost the whole Old Testament and put Christian articles by some of our pastors in there, and um, we started out by giving it to the churches, and they used it as a, you know evangelism, and then... Um, after a couple of years, our, mission, our, our uh, newspaper guy came to me and he said, uh, now I think we need to take another step and we need to give our Christian newspaper to the Azerbaijani government. And in Azerbaijan, all of the newspapers are based out of the capital. So to get them to the entire country, the government takes them and they sell them in the post offices in every one of the 66 county sizes in the country. So they distribute newspapers to the entire country. So that was a big step. So um, I said, well, let me pray about it. felt like the Lord said, do it. So for three years, we had the Azerbaijani government uh, taking this newspaper with God's word in it, and they distributed it to every corner of the country. They took it all over the nation for us. Now, isn't God awesome? Isn't that incredible that God used a Muslim, anti-Christian government to take God's word to every corner of their country? Every two, people ask me all the time, they say, how did you get away with this? I don't know, every two weeks we had 1,200 newspapers, we'd lay our hands on them and pray and say, God, put this in the hands of those who need it and keep it out of the hands that don't. And um, we had people writing us from all over the country of Azerbaijan, and they all had the same idea. They were cutting out this newspaper, cutting out these columns, and they were taping it or pasting it in notebooks, and they were making their own Bibles. You can't buy a Bible at a, a store in Azerbaijan. And so they were making their own Bibles out of this. The Muslims, Muslims they've all heard about uh, uh, Abraham and Isaiah and David. They've all heard about these old, old Testament prophets, but they've never read the stories for themselves. So they were amazed. They, kept, they said, keep the, we, we love this. Keep, keep it coming. So um, the backstory behind that is before we went to Azerbaijan, I was a rookie missionary, and I came to churches just like this, and I, uh, the Lord had put something in my heart, a little faith seed or a little faith something, whatever you want to call it. And I told everybody that I said, pray with us because God wants to use us to take his word to every corner of the country of Azerbaijan. And I would pray that and I would have people praying for us. And, and you know, it's kind of strange because I had absolutely no plan whatsoever to do that. I had no idea. How foolish is that? I'd never been to Azerbaijan. I never met an Azerbaijani person. I didn't know a word of the language. I'd never been involved in radio or TV or newspapers. And yet here I was praying and getting other people to pray for me. I want to take your word to every corner of the country of Azerbaijan. Ever, all of you were so kind. You didn't snicker. You didn't laugh when I said that. You believe with me. And then God somehow, some way, found a way to use us 
to take his word to every corner of the country of Azerbaijan. And that's the way God works. He says, throw out your net and see what happens. Those disciples didn't yell back, hey, are you sure this is going to work? And what type of fish? And how are we going to throw out your net and see what happens? Now, this is the kind of the formula that we see in Scripture. And you can, when you talk to people, you kind of see the same thing over and over again is that God always asks us to do something. Not always. Every once in a while, God will just do a a miracle on his own. But the pattern is that God expects us to take that step of faith, and then he responds. And our step of faith is always the little bitty step. To us, sometimes it's big, but it's always that little bitty step, and then God does the heavy lifting. Like this story. Which is harder, to take those nets and throw them over? Or to bring in fish from all over the Sea of Galilee that weren't there all night long and put them into that net. What's harder? Obviously bringing those fish in there. God does the heavy lifting, but he expects us to take that step of faith. Um, We were in Azerbaijan, and uh, it's a very corrupt country. Everyone's always trying to steal from you and lie to you and take from you, especially as a foreigner. And you don't know the system, and so it happens a lot. And January rolled around, and... um, the gas man came, which is our heat, and it was very cold, and he said, uh, he said, there's a problem with your bill, and you need to give me $400, and we'll take care of this. So it was completely made up, and it was completely baseless, but we went out in the street, and we were looking at the, the gas meter, and our neighbors came out, and they started yelling at him, and they said, what are you doing? This guy's a guest in our country. He's here to help us, and and uh, so then I joined in. I mean, I want to be a good missionary and, and uh, be culturally appropriate. So I started yelling at him. And, uh, you know, I think he thought, whoa, this is way more than I bargained for. So he said, okay, because you're, you're here to help us, um, we're going to we'll let this slide. And then he said, hey, I'd like to meet you sometime. I want to, uh, you speak our language so well. That's what I get for yelling at him in Azerbaijani is, he said, you speak so well, uh, let's go out and have tea sometime. And I want to get to know you. I want to be your friend. And I didn't want to have anything to do with him. My thought was just let him go. You know, who cares? But because he knew where I lived, you know, what do I do? So I gave him my phone number, hoped he wouldn't call, but you know how it goes. Sure, he called. And by that time, I'd gotten a little more spiritual, and I, and I prayed maybe or something, I don't know. And I just was angry, and I thought, I'm going to stick it in the devil's eye, and I'm going to give him a book of Psalms which is what we started with when we witnessed to people in Azerbaijan was the book of Psalms. So I gave him that book of Psalms, and, and um, we were sitting at the, the tea house, and uh, I pulled it out of my bag, and as soon as I gave it to him, he just broke down weeping, crying, okay? And uh, this is the big tough guy who, you know, was going to take me for $400 just a couple days sooner. And now he's sitting in a tea house where all these men are around, and he's bawling. And I don't know what they thought. You know, here's an American guy and this Azerbaijani's crying. But um, he said, why would you do that? I said, this book is full of wisdom and full of truth and you need, to, uh, you need to read it. So we introduced him to our pastor and he continued on discipling him. I believe we're going to see that guy in heaven one day. But it was one of those times when I was discouraged. I was fed up with being lied to and cheated and bribes taken from me and all of that. And somehow God broke through and he said, why don't you throw out your net and see what happens? And what was harder, for me to get that book of Psalms 
and go meet that guy, have a little tea with him? Or was it harder for God to melt his heart and break his heart? This was the guy did for a living. He took people for bribes for a living. He was, uh, he was uh, you know, akin to a mafia type. And yet God broke his heart and melted his heart just in an instant. I don't know if that would have happened. I don't know if we would see that guy in heaven if, if I hadn't got over myself and said, okay, God, I'm going to throw out this net and I'll see what you can do with this. And so now we're headed to England. And, um, you know, I really don't know anything about planning a church in England. So this morning I stand in front of you and say, I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing right now. If I'm honest with you uh, this morning, uh, I'm a little bit scared about going to England and planning a church. I don't know what, what, what wait, uh, awaits me over there, but I know that God's called me. And so I'm saying, God, I'm going to throw that net out, and we're going to see what you're going to do. So I'm doing this right now, every single day. And there are moments and there are times when I think, am I crazy? This is nuts. Why am I doing this? Is, is this for real? And then God reminds me, throw out your net and see what happens. I've done it time and time again. I'm going to do it again. And so this morning, I want to tell you that, 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 that missionaries and pastors, we don't stand in front of the line when it comes to answering prayers and God doing the miraculous, that we come first and God says, well, if you all, if, you, if, if I get around to it, if I have time, I'll, I'll see to your need, I'll, I'll see to your miracle, I'll, I'll, I'll get around to you. That's not the way it works. God wants to do miraculous things in your life. God wants to do the supernatural. God wants to intervene and do the amazing. God wants to melt people's hearts right in front of you. God wants to provide for you in supernatural ways. And he's saying to you this morning, take your net, throw it out, and see what happens. He has a miracle in store for you. So this morning, as we leave, this is the challenge for you. This is your challenge, okay? This week, do something for God. Attempt something for God that you can't do on your own. Every single one of us, if you're a believer in this room, God has been speaking to you about doing something for him. God has been challenging you in some way. And you've been putting it off for this excuse or that reason or, or this thing or I'm not educated enough or I don't know, I don't have the time, I don't have the Whatever it is, this week is, the, is, is your time to say, God, I'm going to throw that net over. And I'm going to believe that you're going to fill it. I believe that you're going to do the miraculous. You're going to do the amazing. Can we do that this week? I believe God has good things in store for you this week. If we'll just take up that challenge, take your net, throw it over, and see what happens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, that, that, that video, wow, amazing what they've given, the sacrifice. Lord, and you're blessing them. Lord, continue to bless them. Lord, this week, give each and every one of us the courage and the strength to throw that net out. And Lord, we're going to believe that you're going to fill it. You're going to do something miraculous for us. Lord, we pray for the, the continent of Europe and for England specifically. Lord, that is, is sliding so far away from you. Lord, this nation that, that brought us great revivals, great pastors, great evangelists, the center of Christianity at one time, Lord. Amazing now, Lord, needs missionaries itself. Lord, move on that continent. Move on that nation. We pray in your mighty name. Amen.